Right, well, welcome to the latest edition of Ed Talks, the property podcast. And uh, sitting opposite me today is someone who looks too young to have been doing what he's doing for as long as he has. Um, and I'm very pleased that he's perhaps in the only other profession which is thought of, dare I say, in almost as lower terms as being an estate agent. Um, he's in recruitment. Uh, most of you will know who he is, but you may not know an enormous amount about him. It's Josh Rayner. So welcome, Josh. Thank you very much. Thanks for the uh, nice introduction. Um, and uh, obviously runs the eponymous Rayner personnel. Um, so just tell us a little bit about your business, first of all. Um, it's getting quite big now, isn't it? Yeah, so our business began since uh, 2013. Uh, we're a property recruitment um, business. We're a franchise business as well. So we've got 11 franchisees up and down the country, and we specialise in the, the property sector. Uh, what that looks like is residential sales, lettings, land of new homes and financial services. Okay. And so 2013 was six years ago, but you've been in the game a lot longer than that. Yes. So uh, I started when I was the grand old age of 17 um, and fell into recruitment like most people do. I had a brief spell uh, in a state agency uh, in lettings prior to that um, and decided that weekends weren't for me, especially after a jolly on a Friday night. Um, so I decided to go into uh, to recruitment and uh, I built a desk up from, from a cold start um, for uh, an independent uh, recruitment firm. Uh, within three years, I then owned it, um, and that was a company called Dove and Hawk, uh, which still exists um, today. I thought Dove and Hawk was a soap, soap company. Yeah, it's a different one, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so, I, I mean, you know, I've obviously been doing this a very, very long time. I've been doing it since, quite 1979, so that's 40 years this year. And in my day, um, I remember I had a very posh stepfather who turned around to me and thought that estate agency was still a gentleman's profession. Uh, I'm not sure about that in those days. I think he may have been being polite to me. But do you consider that estate agency, I mean, what's the sort of calibre of people you get coming into the business these days? Are they people, are they young people looking for their first job? Or are the majority of your people, people who are already in the business who are trying to sort of change that sort of churn people? Who are I think they? there's uh, been a massive shift so over the 13 years that I've um, been in property recruitment. Um, Probably earlier on in my career, there's a lot more junior people coming into the industry, um, and it was a career that people really wanted. Uh, the Foxes days of driving a, uh, a mini and a supercar at the weekends and earning a quarter of a million pounds were very exciting, especially when John Hunt had the business. Um, but obviously, these days, there's so much red tape, and it's not as sexy as it once was. It was a glamorous in, uh, in industry, I think, in most people's eyes. Um, and you got a company car when you was 18 and a, and a big basic and that kind of thing. That's kind of changed. So I think the calibre of people um, at the moment is probably people that have been there two years plus in the industry. We're not really attracting the millennials as much as we should do. Um, and we've got a kind of a merry-go-round of the same people. Uh, there's no new bloodstream coming into the industry, which is a, a real challenge. Um, and there is a massive need for quality talent. And why do you think, I mean, you mentioned red tape there, so why do you think people aren't coming back into the industry again? Or why do you think there's the tap has been turned off a little bit? What's changed in the image of the industry? I think there's a lot more compliance than there once was. Um, the image was that you can earn lots and lots of money um, and uh, transactions at an all-time low. Um, you've got the tenancy fee ban that come in early this month. Um, there just seems to be more and more barriers uh, that are put up in front of people um, to earn money, um, and therefore they're not earning what they used to earn. And let's be honest, the average basic salary probably in the UK is about 15 to 16k um, for a junior, uh, and therefore you could probably work in Tesco's and earn more money than that, so, yeah. and less hours. So, uh, Do you find some of the... Because the figures seem to tell us that about 70% of uh, estate agencies are small independent companies. Correct. 
And the majority of your customers are corporates, independents, or a mix of real, real mixed bag, really, from <clears throat> sort of super brands down to one office independents. Um, we'd say probably the, the the most of our clients are are independents, and they're sort of two to ten offices firms. And do you know, what would you say is the average? I mean, World War One fighter pilots had a had a life expectancy of about what eleven minutes or something <laughs> once they're in the air. What how, how much time do estate agents spend on average with a company these so days? So every eighteen months, someone changes their job within the property sector. Uh, we've worked out there's probably about 40,000... Uh, 18 months? 18 months. Wow. Uh, and that hasn't changed really for the last sort of 10 years. Um, and there's probably about 40,000 people employed within residential uh, and 16 or 1,000 branches. That probably will go down to 14 uh, by the end of this year. Um, so, yeah, the churn is quite high. Um, so, sorry, set that figure again. There are 40,000 in the industry and the residential sector will go down to... So there's 40,000 individuals employed right. or within the sector that work within the sector and there's 16,000 branches probably give or take. Okay. And I think and the, branch, the branches will go... Down to will go yeah, indeed. Okay, okay. Um, and, I mean, that's an amazing churn rate. 18 months is really uh, not long, is it? So what are people searching for then? So I think, I mean, the corporates have got it the worst, I think, in regards to the uh, retention rates. They're up at sort of 50 to 65%. Um, and they have a real problem holding on to people, whether they're just a number within the corporate or and you can look at Countrywide as an example at the moment with 4p as a, a share price. It does make a lot of people uh, unnerved um, and therefore people are yeah, jumping. Don't, don't remind me, I thought they were good buy the pound. Anyway, <laughs> just, just in case you were about to say that, I thought I'd get in first. <laughs> Yes, because, of course, in the old days when companies were opening lots and lots of new branches and there were lots of new companies coming on, there was a sort of career path, wasn't there, for yeah. people. But now perhaps it's almost the opposite. So someone sitting in the corporate structure of an agency is uh, looking at sort of dead man's shoes, really. They're, they're only going to rise, go further up the chain if someone leaves. Yeah, correct. And certainly for a lot of the corporates, people have very good jobs. You know, they're, they're, the, the corporates seem to be quite efficiently run. Um, so those people who are churning every 18 months to two years, are they the sort of people that have been tempted into the alternative sector, the hybrid sector, the online sector, that sort of thing, do you think? No, it's a real mix. Um, that's not just the hybrid online. It's across additional and, and the corporates as well. Um, there obviously are benefits of, of being self-employed and there are benefits of the security of an employed job. Um, I think if you're not a fee earner in this day and age, you're very vulnerable. So the likes of the area managers running 50-plus branches, them jobs are going to slowly decrease. Um, I think an area manager should have 10 branches max because they need to be a pre- have a presence in the branch. <coughs> I very much agree with that, actually. Um, so I think if you're not fearing in this in- uh, now in this industry, your job is, is a little bit um, dangerous, should I say, yeah. at the moment because you're in a, in a difficult p- uh, position. But no, the, the churn of staff is, is generally across the whole of the industry, whether it's hybrid or... So it's not or, higher necessarily in no. the hybrid and online sector. OK, well, that's interesting. Um, and it'll be fascinating to see with all this change. Uh, sorry, listeners, by the way, for my cough. I've got a terrible um, throat at the moment, so apologies if you hear me clearing my throat in the background. Um, obviously, there's been a lot of uh, publicity or negative publicity about the online sector at the moment. Um, how do you see, I mean, you and I see each other at occasional sort of industry things and, and sitting on panels and this sort of thing. And uh, your opinions are clearly sought out in this area, which is which is great because it's it's good to have people who are prepared to give opinions. But if you were to sort of look forward, I don't know, 10 years or so for agency, how do you see estate agents looking in 10 years time, knowing what you know about the people who are going into the agencies now? I think there's going to be less brands. Um, so if you look at Countrywide, for example, they've got... 30 of different brands. I think there'd be a car of, of brands. Um, I think there'd be a rise of the American type model where you have uh, one particular brand but people underneath them that, um, that act independently, so they're self-employed but they, they use that banner. 
prime example, you've got Keller Williams, the American model over here, Remax, Century 21, then people have already adopted that. Uh, and I think you'll see more and more, more of that. Um, I think there'll be less high streets and you'll have more um, hubs across the country, the hub model where you have 20 or 30 people running out of one particular um, industrial estate rather than, a, than a, uh, an office on the high street. Um, but let's be honest, staff is what it's all about. People do make the business. And without them, you're not going to get valuations. You're not going to uh, do transactions. So it's still going to be an issue um, finding good people. And I don't know what the answer is at the moment because there's not enough good people coming into the sector. It's not sexy enough. Um, for Yeah, well, that. let's talk about those people for a moment because obviously one of the um, issues with... Uh, with the changing face of the of, of the agency world is the expectations of the people that use agencies. And obviously, certainly, the rental sector seems to change more quickly than the sales sector for obvious reasons. Uh, the people coming into it are younger. It's a more immediate process. There is a lot more red tape, certainly in compliance stuff around lettings these days. Um, but what are the reasons for that churn because that churn at 18 months is much much higher than it's ever been so if you look at the people coming into in, into the industry what is it that they don't like about the industry now that's making them churn so quickly what is it that's 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 wrong i think we most independent agents are people that have been really successful uh, maybe in a corporate or another life that have decided that they can do it on their own and set up their own business i'm one of them people and i'm sure you was um at douglas and gordon um, then people are great salespeople, but some of them aren't business people. So when they attract people, they look for people like themselves, but they find it really hard to onboard people, train them, coach them, and manage them on a day-to-day basis. Um, and therefore, that's why the churn appears, I think, more, more and more. Um, and going back to kind of your, your comment, it's, it's an industry where you can earn lots of money if you're at the top of your game and you've got the support and you've got all the uh, infrastructure behind you. But without that, you're kind of on your own, really. Uh, and a lot of people go, actually, this is not for me, and, and decide to, uh, to leave. Yeah. But what about, I mean, I talked about the expectations of the people who are using the agencies. And obviously, uh, one of the reasons I set up the business, I left Douglas and Gordon to go and set up View, but was set up because we we used to have major problems at weekends. Uh, we used to have one Saturday person, uh, not who worked within the business, you know, we had, used to have Saturday staff. And their diaries were full up by Tuesday. So um, I started out the business because I knew that there, there was an overflow. Of, there was need, yeah. more capacity needed at weekends. Is weekend working become an, becoming an issue for, for recruitment and retention of staff? Um, yes and no. Um, we Agents have a real fear for <clears throat> part-time people um, and maternity cover and long-term sick. They, they have a real issue around trust uh, because obviously you've got somebody who's not dealing with... Um, some sweets they're dealing with somebody's biggest asset and therefore they like to have them employed and they like to have them full-time um, so I think there needs to be a change in, in the culture and the mindset of the business owner to open it up I mean you're obviously quite forward-thinking in regards to look I'll take on some people um, on a freelance basis to do the weekend stuff when you had your own agency and obviously you then gone to Vuba but most agents don't want that so they'd rather have somebody employed um, to do that um, and pay them a, a lower basic salary and maybe a bit of commission. But understanding the psyche of... I mean, I've got kids. Uh, yours are significantly younger. We were talking about them earlier. He's got a one-month-old baby. God, I'm so glad I'm out of that game. <laughs> My kids are aged between 22 and 27. And the idea that they would necessarily want to work weekends... I mean, they all work and they work hard. But weekends are for... You know, that work-life balance has become a very different thing. Is it one of the reasons that people leave agents, some agencies because they're being asked to work. I mean, even Foxtons don't do yeah. Sundays these days, which they always used to, which was their big differentiator, you know, seven days a week, nine till nine every day. 
Is it one of the reasons that people leave agency? Definitely 100%. Um, so working weekends, low basic salary, um, commission on success is definitely one of the issues and uh, why people leave. Um, I always educate my clients and say, look, Monday to Friday should be a working week um, or whether that's a Saturday an alternate um, day off in, in lieu. Um, but no one wants to work more than a five-day week, um, especially for the salaries that people are paying at the moment. So it's a massive um, need and an agency to wake up and swell the coffee because um, would they want to do a, a six, seven-day week? Probably not. Um, and again, the, the new people come into the industry, and especially the millennials, don't want to work more than a five-day week. Um, yeah. And they want the, the flexibility to have flexi hours. They want the, the opportunity to have their birthday off and all the rest of it. And I think there's, that's a massive thing for people. And if you look at the way the, the culture is with the hybrids, it's actually uh, a work-life balance or it's supposed to be a work-life balance. Uh, and therefore, you can pick and choose when you take your appointments. Um, and look, we, we work to earn money and to, uh, obviously provide for our families. But it, we've got to enjoy what we do. Otherwise, what's the point? Yeah. Um, I mean, I was talking to someone the other day um, who was talking about one of... Um, London's fastest growing agents and who I heard regularly do this um, employment split. They'll have two people doing the same job, Mm -hmm. um, uh, which sort of makes a lot of sense to me, actually. If you can employ someone to do a seven day job, but they each do sort of three and a half days. Um, is that something that you get asked to do? Have you put people into those sort of positions? We do and we don't. They're very few and far between. Um, I think there's a lot of... um, great women out there um, that have had a career break to raise a family. Um, I can do that, so fair play to everyone that, that can do that, um, that are finding it really hard to get back into the industry and work the hours that um, they can around um, the children. So having a flexible um, job share, I think, is, is definitely something that most employers should consider to get the best talent. Um, actually, them career women are the people that are best at com- uh, customer service. Um, they can multitask and actually pretty good and they're probably better than men, uh, most men out there. Well, I have to say, my, my business is completely run by exactly those sort of people exactly. doing, doing that sort of job share. So that's part of the reason I asked. I'm just fascinated by the... I think it, it, it really plays to what I see as one of the biggest problems in a state agency at the moment is the sort of lack of willingness to change. And I think there is a real, re- there is a real problem in so far as it's it's no coincidence to me that companies like Purple Bricks have spent thirty odd million pounds a year educating the public, i.e., with a massive B two C marketing budget, to tell to, to tell them that there is an alternative way of doing things. You may or may not like it, but the public clearly does think there's something in it because they've gone from naught to the biggest estate agency by listings in five years. Yeah, agreed. So they clearly like something. The problem for most of us who have ideas or or some sort of technology that will, we think will help the agents, well, we know will help the agents improve the customer journey, uh, we have to go through the agents because we don't have these £30 million a year budgets. We have a B2B marketing budget. So educating agents as to what can change um, seems to me like it's something which, uh, you know, obviously from a recruitment perspective, when you're putting people into businesses, and I assume you put people from CEO right down to junior ne- yep. negotiator, um, I'd be fascinated to hear how you, when you talk to people, what's the most interesting thing that, that a CEO or someone, someone wanting a new business? I mean, has anyone had any strange requests? I mean, it seems, seems to me like you, you have quite a lot of power to be able to put people into good yeah, jobs. What's the most inter- what, what are the, sort of, talk us through some of the most interesting things you've done. Um, well, uh, <clears throat> the last CEO I placed was Lee Wainwright at Purple Bricks. Um, so uh, come out countrywide and I placed him as a CEO, the UK CEO uh, of Purple Bricks. Um, he had enough of the 
the culture, um, I think, in a corporate business where he couldn't flex his ideas. Um, it was very much he's regimented. He learned a lot of stuff there, and I hope he's listening because he probably would kill me if I don't say the right things. Um, but he was well looked after at Countrywide, paid for him to go on lots of courses, flew him over to America, loads of guest speakers, and he learned a lot. Um, but with the current regime and Alison Platt, etc., it was time for him to go. Uh, and Pepper Bricks gave him that... Um, that floor, if you like, to go and make something of himself and actually listen to ideas and build a business. Um, he wasn't necessarily interested just in the money. Uh, it was about a work-life balance, but actually creating and building something. Uh, and I think as an entrepreneur, you can never box one. Um, and if you box an entrepreneur, they're just going to leave. So they gave him that flexibility to, to use his talent um, and know-how to, to build that and help that growth strategy. Yeah, well, that's a really good example. And would you say that... The word entrepreneur sums up a lot of estate agents. Is that a good word, do you think? I love the word entrepreneur, and um, I would like to think that any business owner is an entrepreneur, but I think there's a lot of people that aren't. Um, And you've got to be hustling. You've got to be prospecting every day. Every day you've got to be learning. Um, And there's some people that are just stuck in their ways that just don't want to change. And they're the people, sadly, that won't be here in 12 to 18 months because the industry's changing all the time. As an industry as well, I think we're... Like you said, we're lacking um, forward thinking. We only got PCs and laptops about seven, eight, nine years ago, and that was probably one in the office. So that just shows you um, how slow we are to, to get up with, with, uh, with the times. Um, so that who knows what's going to happen, but something needs to give. <laughs> yes. I mean, and what about the, the, the different roles within agencies? Because, I mean, marketing and, and technology and, you know, these days, if you're in a big company, there can be chief investment officers, chief, mar- chief marketing officers, CFOs, CMOs. There's all sorts of different. Uh, I mean, um, which bit of agency do you think is the most important? I mean, obviously, if, if you assume that, that a person that's running an agency understands people because mm-hmm. property is still a people Correct. game and, you know, you it's not about IQ, it's about EQ, you know, it's about people's um, ability to emote and to, to, to make a connection with people. What would be, for, for an estate agency, the second most important person, do you think? If you were going to start up an agency, who would you hire? Would it be someone for marketing, technology, which would be the, I think the next uh, thing, do you think? Yeah, good, good question. I think there's, I mean, agents have been sold to every single day of the week from a new prop tech firm or something that's going to radicalise their business. Um, but from my point of view, it's about how you list properties, and again, that's a person doing that, um, and how you advertise them. So I've got, I'm going to have to say marketing. Um, I think marketing's key um, to try and get your um, particular property or your brand in front of the right customer. And how you do that via social media or portals or tech, um, I think is key. Um, but going ahead and getting a C- CTO or a CEO or all the rest of it, um, there's so many Cs, I can't remember how many there are now. Um, so um, I, would, uh, I would say, look, get, get the right people in place that are going to generate you business. And then marketing is probably the next thing I would look at. Yeah. I mean, I think what, what you did when you were obviously with Dove & Hawk originally and build up your own desk is, is what people, you know, that's what people need to, need to do in agency is get yeah. yourself a patch, build up, build up in the patch. And I remember with really happy times running uh, running an office for Douglas and Gordon and having a fantastic team underneath me. Um, and we were together for six, seven years, you know. And um, agencies or, or teams work best when they get to know each other. They know each other's strengths. Everything, you know, nothing has to be said. I think the idea that people, you know, the average churn is 18 months, that's got to say something, hasn't it, about problems in the industry? Yeah, clearly. And it's been going on for so many years as well. It's not just a new thing. This is been going and probably for the 13 years that I've been in it uh, and nothing's changed um, the market's obviously 
Um, you don't have to have a qualification, and it's not regulated. So and I think until it becomes a, a regulated um, industry and agents pay a proper salary for the role, I think you're always going to get that. Um, yeah, because you must have a lot of people. I mean, you obviously talk to a lot of people day to day in terms of your industry and people going into it and, and coming out of it. Um, what is the... Because you mentioned red tape earlier, and clearly on the letting side, when yep. you go into lettings these days, that that's changed a lot. And I think you'd agree with me that, that a lettings... Someone on the letting side is a very different mentality to a person on the sales side. Yep. The sales side is still pretty much the wild west is a bit strong. What would you do, or do you hear any comments from people saying what they wish would happen in the industry? Do you do you, do you, do you have a sort of third party wish list of what people would want to happen to the industry to, to make it work better? Um, good question. I think I don't think the industry's broken, so to speak, and I think you can earn some good revenue. But I think just things need to change and, and rewarding people properly. I think is a must, uh, and that's a higher basic salary. We've got more and more people looking to come out of the industry and work for suppliers. You as would a, say that, wouldn't you? As a, as a BDM, <laughs> clearly, um, as a BDM, um, because they get their weekends back. BDM, yeah, a business development manager. Yep working for uh, a portal or a software house, et cetera, et cetera, because they get the weekends back. It's a higher basic salary and a higher OTE um, with a company car, et cetera. So then um, jobs are more appealing. Um, going back to your, your question, I, I just think that just honest estate agency, people just want to come in with no kind of hidden agenda, no bullshit, excuse my French. Um, they just want to get on with their job and be looked after um, and be managed or mentored in the right way um, to get the best out of them. From my point of view, my biggest thing is that I'm always learning. And I think the day we come to a company where they're not really adding any more value to you, it's time to go. Um, yeah, I, th- I think that word you just said there, mentor, is, in- is incredibly important. I mean, one of my best mates died a couple of weeks ago, and he was, a- he was a very popular figure in the city because he was well known as someone who wanted to help and mentor people coming into the, into the city. Um, and I think it's exactly what I did with that team I was talking about yeah. earlier at D&G, was just giving them, they'd go along with their momentum, a little nudge here and there, keep them moving along in the right direction and, and give them that support. Um, but, you know, I'm I'm really shocked. I keep coming back to that 18 months and I just wonder what, what we can do um, as a as influencers in the industry to try and persuade people to change. The trouble is, of course, we have problems sometimes. I mean, you said there... Yeah, it'd be great to give people a higher basic salary. Well, of course, for most business owners, that's the one thing they want to try and avoid. Yeah, they, you know, of they, course. Yeah, it's it's it's, it's staff it's, is one of the biggest costs, clearly. So, yeah, um, it is, wanna... and and um, and then what people tend to do when the property market gets difficult is cut too 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 far and you know too soon. They lose just... market share and they become the, the bottom agent. <laughs> yeah, and it's and and it's a really tough. <clears throat> it is a very tough job, but it's incredibly rewarding. I mean, if you were going to talk to an agency owner now who was finding life difficult. How would you advise them to save costs and to, you know, bearing in mind what, you, what you've learned about the cost of staff? Can you use staff to better advantage? What would you do if you're an agency owner at the moment looking to, looking to survive the next difficult period? I think I'll go back to the conversation that I had in 2008 with most agents. Um, and actually, we, we generated more income in 2008 than 2009 and 10 put together. And the reason we did that was a lot of agents are carrying people. Uh, they're carrying non-fee earners. Um, and they really need superstars that are going to add value to their to their proposition and generate them income. Um, so we've had uh, companies before in the past where they had three negotiators and two listers. Actually, it was just, they needed stock, and therefore they just needed probably four really good valuers, uh, and the property sold themselves. Um, so I would just reevaluate your business and the people you need in your business. Do you need twenty? Do you need a high street office? Um, do you need to spend loads of money on the tech that you're paying out for every month? Um, and really look at sort of shaving down some costs. I mean, I do my business every single month. Do we need that? No, we don't. Let's cancel that direct debit because 
you kind of get sold to all the time and you sign things up and you look back and go, well, I've not even used that product yet. <laughs> do I really need it? Um, so I'll be going through um, your P&Ls every single month going, right, what do we need to, to look at and how, how can we save some costs? But the people piece is, is clear. And I'm going to say that clearly because I'm biased and I'm in recruitment. But without people, you haven't got a business anyway. Um, but it's finding the right people. Sure. I mean, I think there's a certain um, James Evans, who's the CEO of D&G now, he's, he's very much got an opinion. And he was on here a few months ago talking about this, that people who work within the offices, this old idea that you had a manager, a lister, a negotiator, whatever, was was not dead, but needs looking at. Correct. Yeah. Um, clearly, what you can't do is have a negotiator dealing with uh, detailed admin because it's a, they're, they're very different yeah. disciplines. So you, you need someone to be able to control the flow of sort of information and, 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 and data. But do you still get agents that want to employ specific listers, you know, specific? Is, is, is that still a thing? Yeah, we still get the normal hierarchy, which is a, a branch manager, an assistant manager, a senior neg, a valuer, a neg, and, and so on. Um, and look, I think you need to, the old days of a paper push manager. Every, every business needs a leader, whether that's a branch manager in the business or the company director. But you do need a leader in there. But that leader's job now is obviously to, to create a culture um, that works in that particular office, but also I need to be a fee and a lead from the front. So I still place every single um, month now because I think it's important and I need to have my finger on the pulse. And I think that any leader that's that's going out there and, and managing a team needs to do exactly that. So if I was running a branch as, as a branch manager, I'd probably be doing 80% of the valuations myself um, and I'd be managing the culture and, and bringing people out and training them and mentoring them. And I think that's the the thing that's probably missing, bringing people out, giving them added value, pushing them back in again, working with them, setting them KPIs, but not kind of hounding them and probably kind of blittering. It's just kind of empowering people to be the best version of themselves. Yeah. Um, and I think yeah. that's really key um, to, to engage them, but also to get the best out of them and, and retention will increase. OK, well, I mean, I think you're a really good example of that because you're, you you like, again, you know, the the... The business you run is not that different from from running an agency, really. Yeah. It's it, it, and being a business owner these days, you I, I think you have to lead from the front, but you also have to have other skills. You know the social media skills. You know you have thousands of Twitter followers. You you make an effort to to say to people what you think, to tell the industry what you think. Sometimes it's quite brave doing that because you have to say things which you think some of your customers might think, hang on a minute. You know, that's yeah, not you, what you do and the controversial <laughs> comments sometimes get you in trouble. But yeah. again, I, I just want to lead from the front and I want to be heard and I want to be a figure in the industry and I, I do want to be an influencer. But um, yeah, you do get some stick from the time to time. I'm sure you do as well. It's just uh, yeah, part yeah. and part and parcel. Um, it is. And it's very difficult. I mean, I remember when I started my business and then got Peter Rawlings involved, a lot of people in some of the <laughs> trade press said, uh, yeah, we're never sure about that, Ed, me. But if Peter's involved, that's that's, that's good <laughs> enough for me. And it's amazing how people have, have views on things. Well, look, I think, you know, we've talked. It's it's amazing how time marches on when you talk. I mean, is there anything that you wanted to talk about in, in your industry that, that that we haven't covered to date that you'd like to sort of air your views on? Um, I think we need to kind of just look at the people. I think the people we're uh, employing generally are on a merry-go-round. Um, so people are taking people that have worked for three or four different businesses within the space of three or four years. And they're journeymen. And the old um, kind of name for them was guarantee um, people yeah. because they're just chasing the guarantee for three or six months uh, and they move. So I think we need to, as an industry, need to look outside of the sector to attract people. So there's lots of people within retail. I'm not going to quote countrywide on that because they clearly got it wrong. Um, but at a kind of a, a store level, we've got some of our best consultants in the business that are um, ex-retail people, 
um, WH Smiths, for example, we've got a lady who's uh, uh, an acquisitions um, uh, director there, walked away from a six-figure salary to join me on a self-employed basis, one of my best consultants, because of customer service and the attention to detail, and she just goes far and beyond the, the call of duty to, to make it happen. I think they've got some really good traits, and with the right training, the right skill set, they could make great estate agents. So I think we need to attract people out of the industry and not just keep looking at the same talent on a merry-go-round. But how would you do that? Because it's... I remember in the old days, <coughs> Foxton's used to have... I remember Peter telling me they used to have these almost like drinks parties on a Friday night in, in um, Park Lane. Yep. And they used to advertise for people who wanted to work at Foxton's. And I think part of Foxton's excitement and the reason they did so well back in those days in the 90s and noughties was precisely because they didn't have people who were agents. And they used to have these massive drinks parties where all these people, young guys and girls would come along and all the, all the staff and the managers would mingle yep. and they'd just start talking to them and they'd say, right, you, yep, you, you no thanks, not you, mate, yep, whatever. And they'd end up with 20 or 30 people that yep. they'd then place yeah, the definitely. following Monday. And they'd probably come for the free drinks as well, Ed. But, um... Yeah, no, I'm sure, I'm sure. Everyone likes a free drink, obviously. But look, Josh, but... we, do it, we do it for our clients as well. We do, um, we do open days is probably what you're saying. So yep. we do recruitment evenings. Um, we also um, hide out... Um... Thank you, that's a better way than a drinks party. That's OK, right? no worries. Um, we also hide out the stoop, um, Harlequin's Rugby Ground, and we did a, a particular project for Spice of Heart where we uh, went outside the industry. They wanted retail people, so we looked at inside the M25, a particular demographic in regards to years' experience. We attracted them people. We got them in a room, and we had a kind of an X-factor session, really, and, and we got the 50 down to 25 by lunchtime. And then by the, the end of the day, they had 10 quality people that had done a, a formal interview. Um, they'd done a lost at sea exercise, so how they work within a team. They did a presentation, so how they work on their feet. Um, and it worked really, really well. Um, right. And then people are still there today, touch wood, I think. Um, so that that worked. But they're open to looking like that. And I think more agents need to not just say, look, I need someone with two years' agency experience that's working well, down that's, the road for a competitor. Yeah. And the mindset needs to change. So I think that's my, my biggest thing that I want to get across in this podcast is, look, we need to stop looking within our industry to get talent. We've got to be open-minded. And there's lots of people out there that are could be moulded to the perfect um, agent. that have got no preconceived ideas. They're coming in really fresh. And if you give them the right onboarding and the right training... Um, and mentoring, they'll be exceptional agents. Fact. Yeah. And I think that they're more likely, if they're those sort of people, also to be savvy about social media. Because, I mean, these days there's so much risk with social media. You know, the idea that someone can just make a gaffe yep. personally these days. I mean, it's, it's one of the things I know people do. And I, I'd be fascinated to know what your opinion on this actually is. How important is it for people to look at someone's social media profile before they employ them. So massively, and um, look, we do as well as recruiters. Um, I watched Dragons Den actually, an episode on Sunday night, and there was a, a pitch to the Dragons that was, look, it's a service that cleans up your social media um, to help you get employment in the future. And look, wh- whatever you put on, on the web or somebody puts a picture of you, it will get seen. Um, so I would just be really, really careful and really vigilant about what you put up there. We've had some interesting stories, which I won't, won't mention, um, but they're they're kind of eye-watering, and you go, well, why would you do that to yourself? And you've just sort of harmed any Is it legal, going. though, when you employ somebody, if you're if someone comes to you and says, you know, we want someone for this, that, or whatever, and we want them to have a clean, you know, we, we, we want you to have checked their social media or whatever it is, I don't know whether that's part of what you do. As you say, it is part of what you do. How legal is it to to actually look at someone's social media profile and make your decision based on that? 
So look, it's uh, it is illegal to, to make that decision. Um, we use as part of our CRM and our, our search and selection. It goes out to every the, we can search a particular job set, so whether it's a negotiator in a particular area, and it brings up their LinkedIn page, their Facebook page, and their Twitter page all in one go as part of the, the search criteria. So naturally, we can see that live, and it comes up with their their profile. Um, but we we still get clients saying, "Can you send me a picture of that person?" <clears> I mean, they're, they're literally like cavemen. You get... But that's if they're that's if their profiles in their own name. A lot of people don't have profiles in their own name and won't tell you. So. Yeah, exactly that. And if you look at um, Dexter's, for example, I think they've got a social media policy where they can't be, they can't have their work um, profile on LinkedIn, for example, or on Facebook. I don't know what way around it is, um, but they really clearly um, think that's important. Yeah, um, so that'd be quite a good good person to get on, on board and. And have a chapter about that, but again, that works really well because I can't head on any of the staff, even though they are clients. So that's fine, um, and also they can manage the reputational risk that an individual may have yeah, no, no, if it's, they're it's, uh, it's, it's if they're naughty at a weekend, should we say? Okay, well, okay, well, look, that's 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 really interesting. I mean, is there anything else you feel you want to 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 make clear to people? I mean, I think that, that those are those are really good points. And as I said, I'm a I'm a big fan of what you do. I think some kind of um, I know people often. I think recruiters often get a bit of a hard time, but actually, the but what you said about going outside the industry, about open days, uh, um, management, um, reputational management, all this sort of stuff, is incredibly important. And I really hope people listen. And I hope you continue to uh, try and influence in the way you do. Give it the energy you do. I love the way you still place people. You know, yeah. so that you keep your finger on the pulse. And I really appreciate you're getting up a bit early this morning, a bit earlier this morning. 5am for you, Ed. That's, uh, that's, that's dedication <laughs> to the course. That's a late start for me, I assure you. <laughs> but listen, Josh, um, Josh Rayner, thank you very much for coming in and appreciate your taking the time. Thank you. Thank you very much, Ed.